Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. We have our fourth installment of the position review series for you all today, digging into the wide receivers. Drake London, Mac Hollins, Demir Bird was on this team for a little bit. Totally forgot about that. So going to take a look at the pass catchers here for Atlanta. Uh, it's a group that I think will change significantly over the uh, the coming months as they enter a, another big offseason where they've got to figure out just the right mix to make a run, get back to the playoffs for the first time in a long time. So that's what we have on tap for you guys today. Going to get into a lot of discussion about wide receivers. But first, it's playoff time and the usual suspects are heading to Vegas for the championship. Our partners at Bet Online are the number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines. From point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of the Gatorade, Bet Online is the number one source for your championship wagering. So head to Bet Online and join today to get into all of the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. Let's start with the headliner for the Falcons at the wide receiver position. Who else? It's Drake London. Um, he really is. And we're going to get into kind of when when we wrap this thing up at the end. I think you'll come away with kind of the same feeling that I did after digging into all of this. Like, it's Drake London, and then it is wide open. Everybody else. Like, you can, you can put any type of team that you want to around Drake London in the wide receiver room. So it's an exciting group to talk about when we look at how it could change over the next little bit, right? There's so much kind of room for any direction you want to take. And if you're uh, an offensive coordinator, I mean, that feels like you're being given a blank page and you can just color it with your favorite colors. And so that is kind of what is exciting, I think, about Zach Robinson coming in here, seeing what the Rams have been able to do with their receivers, getting them so open, Puka Nakua coming in and just taking the league by storm. It, it is a really fun group to dig into because of the possibilities and the potential for something different that we just haven't seen over the last few years. And I, I think that if you want to look back at the Arthur Smith uh, time, the even though there were some interesting players, the wide receivers were never the most exciting bunch to, to talk about in a time in the NFL where it seems like receivers and quarterbacks in the passing game are just taking over the league. The Falcons always had, yeah, Drake London, but then, I don't know, was it Brian Edwards? You know, was it Alamde Zacchaeus? No, it's it's really just been one guy and then Kyle Pitts. So Drake London this past year ranks 23rd in PFF grading among wide receivers. Not, not bad. Again, and I'll preface all of this and I'll preface some of these numbers by saying that certainly with Atlanta's offense, you have to, and it's really difficult to be able to separate what is scheme and what is player. And so just by the nature of Atlanta's offense and how all of the play players were more in service of the overall good of the offense instead of the offense servicing the players, it just puts a, a lower ceiling, I think, on all of the output, at least in terms of the traditional stats for the, the players involved in the Falcons offense as receivers. So with all of that, you know, prefaced, 
Drake London was 24th with 110 targets. So as your number one wide receiver, that 24th is not, you know, setting the world on fire. But 110 targets is is not bad. Uh, 69 receptions. Again, when you're getting 110 targets, you'd like that number to be a little bit higher. His 69 receptions, although they were nice, 30th uh, amongst wide receivers. 905 receiving yards, also 30th. 17 contested catches, which was second. It was just one behind Mike Evans. However, here is the the big kind of qualifier, I think, to that number with Drake London because we all, I think, regard him as an amazing contested catch player, and he is. Like, when you see some of the contested, I believe it was New Orleans. Um, it was either New Orleans or Tampa Bay, but that just incredible contested catch down the right-hand sideline where he adjusted to a weird throw and, and came back and made it. I, I want to say it was New Orleans. Um, even though he makes some incredible contested catches like that one, his percentage of contested catches was just 51.5%. And that's just kind of average, right? That was like below Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, but if you look at the 17 contested catches he has, which are second only to Mike Evans, which that makes a lot more sense given you know how we consider Drake London as a player, to me, those two numbers when you've got a lower average uh, or percentage of the contested catches that you're coming down with, but you have a really high number of contested catches, that just means that a lot of the passes thrown your way are contested catches. So you have more opportunities for them, and maybe you're not corralling every opportunity. Some of that has to do with the quarterback play, right? Like that number is also an indictment on Desmond Ritter, on Taylor Heineke, on the guys throwing Drake London the ball. But it also maybe puts a little bit of water on this feeling that, okay, Drake London, you put it up in, in like in his vicinity, he's coming down with it. That's not necessarily the case. So this all kind of comes back to a little bit of a theme that's developed on the offense side of the ball during these position reviews. We're going to figure out, is that player or is that scheme? Is that Arthur Smith and Dave Ragone's offense not getting Drake London open? Or is that Drake London we're seeing maybe the limitations of his physical skill set at the highest possible level where maybe he isn't able to create that separation. So yeah, he, he can come down with 17 contested catches in a season. That's awesome. But if every ball is kind of a contested catch, you know, it's, it's a balance that you've got to decide which way you come down on, right? Do you, are you okay with a guy living life in contested catch land or do you want him to get open a little bit more? We're going to find out because that Ram scheme, man, they get guys open. <laughs> they get they get guys open and running with the ball after the catch. So I'm really excited to see Drake London in this offense. And is there an evolution to his game? Or, you know, will they have to figure out some different flavors to maybe pair around Drake London to get him a little bit more open? Because maybe it is some limitations on the player side of things. But by and large, I think this past season from Drake London was awesome. You know, he did pass Julio Jones uh, in terms of the number of receptions by a Falcons player in the first two years of their career. So, uh, you know, he did it with 17 game seasons. Julio didn't have that luxury. So maybe, you know, it's cheating a little bit, but we're talking about the clear number one guy in Atlanta's passing game. Uh, and he will continue to be that. I think moving forward, the other Key contributors this past season, Matt Collins, he had 30 targets, 18 catches, 251 receiving yards, zero touchdowns, a 64.6 pro football focus grade. 
Then you have Van Jefferson brought in kind of late in the year, but he finished second or third, I guess, behind Drake London and Matt Collins with 28 targets, 12 catches, 101 yards, zero touchdowns, and a 50.1 pro football focus grade. Kaderil Hodge, 23 targets, 14 catches, 232 yards, zero touchdowns, 62.4 pro football focus grade. Man, there's a real uh, theme going on here. Zero touchdown catches for any of these guys. And then you've got Scotty Miller, who had 16 targets, 11 receptions, 161 yards, two, two touchdowns. Holy crap. That's a, that's a huge increase. Good job, Scotty. And then a 64.4 PFF grade. So again, the level of supporting play from the Falcons receivers is not great. But part of that, and I really do think a lot of that has to do with the, the design and the scheme and, and kind of by nature, you don't want any one guy maybe outside of your number one guy, Drake London, being extremely ball dominant. Because again, a lot of the, I think the the kind of goal and and the genius at times of, of Arthur Smith's scheme is everybody's touching it. So it's, you know, really hard to know who's getting it. And and at any given time, it's it's the Kyle Shanahan kind of why sneak back play that Levine Toilolo did so well uh, during that 2016 season. It's because it was Levine Toilolo running it, right? And linebackers and safeties aren't looking at him when you've got 62 snaps that you're on the field and one of them, Levine Toilolo is getting the ball, makes it really easy for the offense to pick and choose that one spot and get a big advantage on the defense. And I think that if you extrapolate that and blow that up a little bit, that's kind of what Arthur Smith's goal here was, was if everybody's touching the ball, then you don't really know who is going to be touching the ball on any one given play. So that is why you see 30 targets, 28 targets, 23 targets for these kind of secondary wide receiving options. The players that they have under contract for the 2024 season, it's not a long list, and really none of the guys outside of Drake London, who I just mentioned, are on it. So they've got Drake London, who will count $5.8 million against the cap in year three of his rookie deal. You've got Josh Ali, then you've got Austin Mack and Chris Blair. Uh, The last two signed reserve future contracts, and that's it. And that's why I preface this conversation saying it's kind of a blank slate for Zach Robinson and Raheem Morris and, and the rest of the staff uh, Ike Hilliard coming in as receivers coach to go grocery shopping and pick the guys that they want to build uh, the side dishes around your main course in Drake, London. Um, they don't have any potential cap casualties that I could see because, again, you don't really have anybody on your contract. Like they had a lot of one year deals um, at the receiver position. So there's flexibility to change the way that this room is built. Um, the free agents that they have for 2024, Matt Collins, Van Jefferson, Scotty Miller, and Kaderil Hodge, those guys that I just talked about as the other key contributors. So they're all going to be gone. Could could you see Zach Robinson say, hey, we had Van Jefferson here in LA. He knows what we're trying to do. We'll bring him back. It's going to be a cheap deal, what have you. Yeah, you could see something like that happening. Kaderil Hodge maybe makes the the second most sense of that group as, as somebody you may want to keep around as like your fourth or fifth receiving option. But I would not be shocked at all if they do decide to just totally go with a whole new deck, shuffle the cards, draw four more, uh, and kind of go from there. The salary cap investment that they have heading into the uh, the offseason, four players under contracts, as I just mentioned, $8.5 million invested at the position. A lot of that is Drake London. 
3.4% of your cap space, and that ranks dead last in the NFL at spending in the position. So again, the theme here is that it is open for the offense to be remade if they want to go much more pass-heavy. I do think you're going to see a, a lot of focus on the receiving room this offseason, especially because, and we'll get to this a little bit more in the next episode uh, on tight ends, when you look at the personnel groupings and what the Falcons have been and what the Rams have been, they're very different, and it's going to involve a lot more investment at the wide receiver position, certainly more than being dead last in the league. Um, so that all brings us to some free agents and draft picks for the Falcons to maybe keep an eye on. Certainly the draft, you know, if you're looking at a Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors or somebody like that, kind of early on at number eight, let's say they do go get a veteran quarterback. Now they want to pair Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bajan Robinson with another. I mean, four drafts in a row taking a, a skill player in the first round, like that would be that would be something. Most fan bases, I think, dream of drafts like that where you're just like, hey, we're going to get you know, Calvin Ridley and then we're going to get Christian McCaffrey and then we're going to go get a tight end. You know, it's like fun players to draft that you know from their college days. But I would think Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors make a lot of sense there. Keon Coleman, um, Florida State, another player. Or, you know, late day two, round three, maybe round four, you find a lot of value, I think, in, in recent drafts. If you look at some of the really impactful wide receivers, you can find them in day three. You know, and, and so I do think you could see the Falcons maybe double dip given what we've talked about, about only having four players under contract. I think you're going to see them take a lot of bites at the apple this offseason with some players. Maybe go get one or two veterans in free agency, trade for somebody, and then also use your second round pick on a receiver, then take another one in the fourth round. Like, I think you'll see the Falcons throw a lot of darts at the dartboard. Um, there's a lot of time to get into the potential draft picks, and we will. So right now, I'm just kind of looking at some veteran options that the Falcons can maybe bring in in free agency. And I have four written down here. Darnell Mooney, uh, the Chicago receiver, who is coming off of probably his worst year. So I, I think, you know, I say that name, and a lot of people can probably conjure up some not too flattering uh, images from this past season. You know, maybe most notably his dropped... Uh, like Hail Mary in the end zone that hit him kind of right as he's falling down, it just bounces right out. Um, but because of the Chicago connection and the Falcons do have kind of that pipeline from the Chicago Bears, and you know, he's got that slot maneuverability, he's versatile, he can move you around a little bit. I think that he makes sense in kind of this scheme where he could operate in the slot, get open, get some yards after the catch. Uh, so he's somebody that I have written down, Gabe Davis. Uh, again, similar player, right? When you uh, certainly fantasy, fantasy owners, and I've had Gabe Davis on a couple of teams over the years, really boomer bust. And you probably have a little bit of a bitter taste in your mouth from Gabe Davis for that exact reason. However, even if he's not getting the ball, I think he does add that speed and deep element, that vertical threat that would keep defenses honest that the Falcons have been looking for, be it, you know, uh, Demir Bird or an Alameda's Kias or this past season with Van Jefferson, they've been trying to add that deep threat to really expand the field a little bit, and they have not been able to get that right. So I do think Gabe Davis would bring that element to your offense because he is a big play waiting to happen, you know, and, and he does have those games where he has two touchdown catches, 113 yards on five 
receptions, you know? So even if he's not doing that game in and game out, I think he adds a lot of uh, benefit to this offense just because of he's filling a very important role. Third and fourth here, uh, some veteran options. Odell Beckham, I think obviously he had that year in LA and, and it worked. And so he's got that experience in the offense. He does still have, you know, some nice juice to his game. And here's kind of where I thought things could get a little bit galaxy brain, but also in, in the best possible way. Let's say you want to take Jaden Daniels. Let's say that you are hell-bent on him as kind of your quarterback of the future. Go get an LSU Tiger to, to come be kind of a voice in his ear early on and build that chemistry and that, uh, you know, repertoire with, with a former uh, LSU Tiger as kind of that receiver, that veteran mentor. And, and I think that's a really interesting kind of prospect. Again, it's not always a one-to-one because I'm just looking on paper here and, and maybe they hate each other. I don't know. Maybe they met one time down in Baton Rouge and didn't get along. So I don't know any of that, but just speculating here, like that would be a fun pairing. And obviously I think Odell would would still bring a lot to the table um, in terms of a veteran voice, in terms of on-field ability. So that's just a fun little one to think about. And then finally, Josh Reynolds, don't have to spend too much time on this, has experience in that LA scheme. Also coming from Detroit, wasn't necessarily utilized, I think, to the extent that everybody thought he would be, but he could be uh, another little veteran piece to add to this group. So that brings me here to the conclusion, what is the priority level for an offseason addition at wide receiver? This is, It's a high priority. It's not number one. Quarterback is your number one. Uh, if you listen to that episode, if you haven't, go back and do it, but you'll know why. Uh, we all know why. You don't even have to listen to that episode, but I encourage you. Uh, this is maybe not number two, but it could be, you know, like you can make a really strong argument that they need to spend a lot of resources and focus on wide receiver this offseason. And I expect them to, you know, like part of the vision, I think, of bringing in a Zach Robinson and, and kind of making some of these changes to your offense is because you've got to get a little bit more dynamic in the passing game. And again, the deck is cleared for them to do that with the people of their choosing Arthur Smith and and kind of his vision was very particular and it almost became a little bit of a punchline last year where you get all these huge receivers who are physical and, and great at contested catches and whatnot, but they were building in a very specific model. And it is nice that as you're making these coaching changes and as you're changing up your scheme a little bit, they don't have to come in here with, you know, all of those guys on four-year contracts and kind of figure out, all right, how do we make this not a fully square peg, but not a not a round peg fit into this round hole? They don't have to worry about that. They can go get exactly the guys that they want and, again, go grocery shopping with a list that they make themselves. So I, I think that we're all aligned. I would be shocked if the organization was not fully aware of how big a priority wide receiver needs to be for this team this offseason. Uh, luckily, it's a fun priority. It's one that we get to talk about all these really cool receivers in the draft. We get to look at some of the biggest names, you know, a T. Higgins. Why not? Go shoot for him, right? So it is a fun position to talk about. The Falcons have a clear need here, but they do have an ascending, established number one in Drake London. So now you get to go build the role players around him. And, and I really do think Terry Fondo and, and kind of the vision that they'll set out on offense, I expect them to have some success doing that because receiver is definitely a uh, position where as long as you get the guys that fit what you're trying to do, you can have a lot of success and you can have a lot of success early. 
So that will do it for the position review on the wide receivers. Again, go check out all of the uh, ones that we have dropped on the feed already. We have the last position group on the offense coming up. Next time, we will be looking at tight ends, Kyle Pitts and company, and I really expect that to change as well. So the Falcons have been kind of tight end heavy, a little bit lax on the receivers. The chemistry of that, the balance, that probably going to change a bit this offseason. So we will continue this discussion on the next episode when we get into tight ends. I am Will McFadden. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. Today's show, as all of them are, was presented by Bet Online. I'll see you guys again soon. Until then, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.